From the Financial Times in London, I'm Hannah Murphy and this is FT News. Spain's new Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, leads a precarious minority government that took power after rejecting a sitting government for the first time in Spain's modern democratic history. He's hoping to reverse some of his predecessor, Mariano Rajoy's, cuts to social programmes and to improve relations with Catalonia, where a pro-independence regional government fought a succession campaign last year. Will he succeed or will he be forced to seek early elections? On the line with me to discuss this is our Madrid correspondent, Michael Stottard. Hi, Michael. Tell us first a little about Mr. Sanchez. What kind of politician is he and how exactly did he come to power? Well, Sanchez is an economist by training. He's pretty left wing. He's a big personality. He hasn't really done exceptionally well in national politics until about now, really. He took over the party in 2014. He lost the election in 2015. He lost the election in 2016, which was the worst result in the party's history. He was then ousted by an internal coup, came back a year later with grassroots supports. And since then, he's really been quite sidelined in the national Spanish political debate, which has been dominated by the ruling centre-right Pepe party and the new liberal Theodor Daniels party. So he came to power really all of a sudden, and it came due to a pretty damning ruling in a corruption case against the Pepe centre-right party which essentially said they had been operating a slush fund in the past. And he quite brilliantly seized the initiative here and immediately following the ruling called a vote of no confidence that would, if it passed, put him in power. The other parties were really far more keen on getting rid of the old government than putting him in power, still supported this motion. And... There we go. He was sworn in over the weekend in a really extraordinary turn of events, a kind of political assassination that made him stride to power. And Catalonia's bid for independence is obviously the biggest problem he's likely to face. Can you tell us a bit about the background to the crisis and how his predecessor, Mr Rajoy, handled the issue? Well, this has been going on for many, many years. Tensions really bubbled over last October when the region actually declared independence from Spain, forcing a big crackdown by the Spanish government who took control of the semi-autonomous region. They sacked the government, they called new elections. It was really the worst constitutional crisis in Spain since its return to democracy in the 1970s. Since then, a new leader has taken over who's even more ferociously pro-independent than the last one, if possible. So Sanchez is inheriting a real mess here. And what he's done is he's called for a more conciliatory approach. He's saying, listen, I'm a new government, I'm a fresh face, let's talk and let's try and resolve this issue politically. Has Mr. Sanchez said anything more specific about his intentions towards Catalonia? So far, he's called for dialogue. And the other leader, Kim Tora, has also called for dialogue. But Sanchez has specified that there will be no talks outside of the Spanish constitution. 
and the Spanish constitution says that Catalonia can't be independent. So his starting point is that we can talk and we can reach a political solution, but we're not going to talk about ways in which you can no longer be part of Spain, which is obviously what the Catalans want. So there's an immediate sort of tension that's going to arise from any of these talks. The second thing to bear in mind below the surface is that Sanchez is going to face the country in an election in the coming year, probably. And in general, the Spanish electorate are very against giving any concessions to the Catalans. So while Sanchez will be talking to them, he won't want to be seen to be backing down in the face of their demands or he'll get punished in the polls. So really, there's a lot of problems still in these talks. But for the moment, at least for the first few days of his premiership, it's all kind of sweetness and light because they're both saying, let's sit down and have a discussion. As you've told us, Catalonia has a new regional government. Can you tell us a bit more about who's in power there and how amenable they are to some kind of compromise? Well, as I said, they have an extremely hardline pro-independence leader called Quim Dora, who was basically handpicked by the previous leader, Charles Puigdemont. He's already caused an enormous polemic in Spain for his previous writings, where he's called Spaniards, you know, carrion feeders, vipers and hyenas who want to destroy Catalan identity, etc. Some very strong anti-Spanish words. Mr. Sanchez called Dora a racist a few weeks ago, which he probably wouldn't have done if he thought he was going to be prime minister. Having said that, while Dora is a hardline nationalist, there is a softer wing within Catalonia who want independence from Spain but possibly see it as more of a long-term goal and they would be happy to talk about other issues in any negotiation. For example, more money, the symbolic recognition of Catalonia as a nation, Senate reform. You know, there's another list of demands that the Catalans could ask for and could be a starting point for negotiations that isn't immediate independence from Spain. So if the soft wing of the Catalan party win out in the negotiations, there might be at least something to sit down and talk about, even if nothing can actually be agreed. More broadly, what's the state of Spain's economy at the moment? And is there scope to reverse some of Mr Rajoy's cuts? Yeah, the Spanish economy is growing at a really steady clip. It's been growing at plus 3% for the last few years. It's one of the fastest growing economies in Europe. I mean, it's recovering from a very low base after a devastating financial crisis. Unemployment is still very high. But given that, it's doing exceptionally well. I think when you talk to economists, they say that there probably is scope to loosen the purse strings slightly in the Spanish economy. But I think perhaps the bigger question is the fact that Sanchez has come to power with an incredibly weak minority government. He only has 84 seats in the 350-seat legislature meaning that any attempts by him to try and pull off meaningful reforms to reverse any austerity measures will be tough. 
he's going to need to get the support of parties, many of which loathe him, which want to see early elections. So, yes, economically speaking, there's scope to loosen the purse strings, but politically speaking, it's going to be pretty tough for Sanchez. And what do you think the likelihood is that some of the small parties that make up Mr Sanchez's coalition will give him the backing that he needs? Well, the small parties are the two big Catalan parties, and I think their backing depends on how these negotiations go. So he might not keep their backing for very long. He has the backing of the Basques regional party, but they're not natural allies necessarily. So we'll have to wait and see with the Basques. And then the rest, he has the support of the far left Podemos party that he might be able to keep. But the Pepe and the Ciudadanos party really want to see him deposed as soon as possible. So it's a bit of a mixed bag and it's not going to be at all easy for Sanchez. The last elections in Spain were inconclusive. What are the signs that Mr Sanchez could win a majority if he went to the polls? Well, if he went to the polls tomorrow, the opinion polls suggest that he would do not particularly well. Uh, it's the quite new, young, liberal, through the Daniels party that is polling in front, according to the El Pais polling, with about 28%. And then all the other parties, Sanchez's party, the centre-right and the far-left Podemos party, they're all polling around the same at about 20%. So if the election was tomorrow, he wouldn't do very well at all. He probably would stay at around the same number of seats as he has now. But having said that, launching an election campaign from being in government gives you a natural advantage. He wasn't really a relevant player in the Spanish political debate before. But if he spends the next few months getting some legislative wins, potentially, but also going around the world, seeing political leaders, sitting down with Macron, sitting down with Angela Merkel, this could potentially give him credibility in the eyes of the Spanish voters and give him a position of power with which to come to elections. So the polls I was talking about are really from a slightly different era, and he's certainly hoping that he'll be able to improve on that once he's in government. The flip side is that if his government's a total disaster, if he was given the opportunity to govern and wasn't able to do anything, then that might indeed punish him in the polls. So he's really taking a big risk, but the gamble might pay off when there are new elections either later this year or next year. Thanks, Michael. It'll be really interesting to see how he gets on. And to keep up with events in Spain, don't forget to follow ft.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.